Hi friends, before we get started this week, I wanted to share with you a few really cool announcements. Uh, the show has grown a lot, and we get a lot of requests to come to different cities and see people in person, and we haven't done that much in the past. I mean, we've done Belong in a couple of cities, and we've done a small tour, but in general, the only way to interact with you guys so far has been through the podcast and then back and forth on social media. And this year, we're changing that, and it's actually starting this month, February 26th and 27th. In Phoenix and Los Angeles, we're going to do an event called Lost and Found, and that's a night of interactive storytelling and music and guided meditations along with the Eucharist with Gunger and the Brilliance and me, Science Mike, basically telling stories of faith lost and found, of the kind of um, doubt and renewal you've heard on this show in episodes six and seven, but done as a live dramatic presentation. It's really cool. We've done a few of these before and the reception from audiences has been great. So we'd love to see you at Lost and Found in Phoenix and Los Angeles in February. A little bit later, but only slightly later in March and April, believe it or not, the liturgist is going on tour with Gunger for their One Wild Life tour. So it'll be a night of music like you would expect from a Gunger show, but following that, we'll do a, a Q&A and a conversation very similar to what we do on the Liturgist podcast in a whole bunch of cities in the Southwest. Uh, you can learn more about both Lost and Found and uh, the One Wild Life tour featuring the Liturgist and Science Mike in addition to, of course, Gunger, at theliturgist.com slash events. Or if you go to our Facebook page and click on tour dates, you'll be able to go and see, you know, uh, if an event is happening in your city or a city near you and get all the details and ticket information and that kind of stuff. And finally, we're also doing a series of conferences this year, uh, like Belong, but bigger, more accessible, and more affordable. And we're looking for churches in Denver, Dallas, Chicago, or Los Angeles, <laughs> excuse me, to host that. Uh, so if your church can seat 500 to 650 people and you'd like to bring the liturgist to your community at absolutely no cost, just go to theliturgist.com slash 2016 event and either fill out the contact form or call the phone number listed on that page. Again, that's theliturgist.com slash 2016 event. So really looking forward to a big 2016 with you all, and hopefully I'll see you in person sometime in the next three months. Hey everybody, Michael Gunger here. Today's episode is sort of a follow-up to our last episode with Rachel Held Evans about prophecy. Last time we spoke about prophecy, more in the vein of speaking truth to power. This time we focus on the voice of God itself. Is there such a thing? Does God speak to people? Are all the people running around telling people what God told them totally full of it? Or is there any possibility that any of it might be real? So to start the discussion, we're going to speak with some friends of ours. Meet Hajin Marshall. Hello. Science Mike and I were recently at the Sundance Film Festival, and we hung out with Hajin and her husband Jacob quite a bit. Hey, how's it going? And as usual with Mike and I, the conversation soon began to veer towards the bazaar, and one of the afternoons while we were all standing in line for one of the art exhibits at Sundance, Hajin started telling us about how different her life is now than it was a year ago and how one of the major influencing factors was this prophecy that she received online from a woman in Texas. Upon hearing this, it became clear that such a story should not be told without pushing record. So the story goes, I had a friend, and she tells me that her sister who pastors in Korea had received a prophecy from a woman in Texas. My friend is super conservative, very skeptical, and tells me that she believes every word of this prophecy. So I feel like I should explain to you that Hajin and Jacob are not your typical Pentecostal or charismatic evangelical Christians 
Again, we're at Sundance Film Festival, and these are some of the more creative, edgy people that we know. They live in New York, and they're very connected in the art scene and the music scene. Not people you might expect to be telling you about a prophecy. When she receives her prophecy, and it's recorded, she sends it to me, and we listen to it, and... I'm just blown away that it sounds exactly like my friend's life. It's super specific. And because I knew my friend's story and journey, I, I knew that she was struggling. And, you know, it was just like, you need to rest. You need to realize that life is not going to be all exciting and you're not going to have it right now when you want it. So how she knew that for my friend, and then I'm, I start to listen to other people's, because it's like an open chat room. The other people's prophecies sound nothing like my friend. You can't just flip them or mix them up and say like, well, Sarah gets this one, and then we'll say that Tim gets that one, and we'll say, you know, it doesn't work that way. It was so cool. To, to listen to it, and it really was exactly what she needed to hear at that moment in life. So then I am just blown away by listening to her sisters, listening to hers, and I'm like, wow, I, I would love to try this. The woman does it, uh, her name is Mary, she lives in Texas, and she does it twice a month, and you don't know when she's going to do, like, post or uh, hold her sessions, you don't know when, she posts on her website the dates, and you, it's first come first serve, and it's like you, you need to work your schedule around to be able to be part of this session. So then you uh, download the server, it's kind of like a Skype. And what do you see? What are you seeing on your screen? You see what looks like, if you remember, you know, AOL chat rooms, just screen names, okay. which is your first name. And that's it. It's a chat room, though, basically. Yeah. Okay. It's a chat room, and it has the audio function. So you can, you know, microphone in, and when you need to say, oh, hello, you just chime in. Okay. And then all you're doing but is... There's no video screen of her or anything? No. Nope. She doesn't know what I look like. All she knows, she knows your first name. She doesn't know your last name. She doesn't know what you look like, because this is where what you, you live. Typed, because this is what you have typed in on your server or whatever. Right. I could make up my name. In fact, that's part of the story, too. I have a, an American name and a Korean name. Okay. And the first time I did it, I decided, I'm going to use my American name, because what, what's the difference? And so then prophecies just start popping up for all the names? So, yeah, we're all in the session, and there's a portion. She starts off where she, she preaches, and that's probably about three, four minutes. And then she by random chooses who starts. So she say, okay, Paul, here we go. Like, I'm going to go pray. She prays for about a minute, comes back, and just starts. So any of us that grew up in the charismatic church have seen this, not digitally, but we've seen right. the prophets do this a lot of times. Many of us are very skeptical of such things. Mm-hmm. So, But give us the evidence. I've what, never what seen this. Because, you know, I'm Baptist, yeah. and they're, like, really uncomfortable with things like this. I'm, I always say I'm Baptist, even though I'm not <laughs> Baptist. I was Baptist. So that I didn't realize there was, like, a real-world analog at all. Yeah. So, like, in your church, people just speak prophecies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you, you have guest prophets that you could come to the church. Whoever was giving the prophecy would pray, walk around, and, and kind of look at the audience and say... You there, sir, in the second row, I feel like you have a calling, you have a gifting, you, uh, music is in your, is in your soul. I was like, yeah, I was playing in the band. <laughs> but, so that's an important <laughs> point. Like, I've always thought that those kind of prophets are basically mentalists. They're really good yeah. at reading people and reflecting, but there's like this internet veil here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where there's no ability to either read the person ahead of right. hand you or can't Google during the name. prophecy. Like, there's no... That's what makes this a little more interesting to me. Oh, I'm I'm interested. Don't miss. No, and don't be. I'm still deeply skeptical. Yeah, but of course. It, anyway, I'm. I mean, I was a, interested enough to come and say, "Let's push story. record on this because I want to hear this." Please don't take my. No, I, okay, I, my I'm with you. Okay. I'm totally there. <laughs> okay. I still have to. I mean, I get skeptical 
still and then I listen to it again and I'm like wow never mind and every person well I've only shared it with a small amount of people for this but every time I have shared it people literally (laughs) are looking at me like you're crazy and you poor girl you have no idea what you're talking about and then they they listen to it and everything changes all right here we go yeah can we hear it yeah so yeah my American name that uh, is Jacqueline and Korean name is Hejin. So mm-hmm. the first one you'll hear, I, I decided, um, you know, let's make it easy. Let's just use Jacqueline. Let's just see if that means sure. any All difference. Right. Right. All right, ready? So there's a bit of silence in the beginning because, she, like I said, for a minute she goes and prays. Well, she's praying right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I kind of like the tension. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just, I mean, imagine me sitting there in silence, yeah. like freaked out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jacqueline, as soon as I close my eyes, I just, you are a beautiful woman. And I think that Jacqueline in the truth, you're a beautiful woman on the outside and you're a beautiful woman on the inside. There's been a lot of emphasis placed on you by other people on your beauty and on what you can contribute and on your talents. And that though those things are real and those things are good, that the Lord wants you to know that he has selected you for himself. Okay, so Mary the prophet begins speaking like this, and she goes on for several minutes. And honestly, I'm sitting there listening to them playing me the recording, and I'm feeling a little disappointed. I'm not sure exactly what I was expecting, but I was hoping for something that would be less ambiguous, less Christianese, more concrete, more something that to me would sound only like Heijin. But to me it sounded a little generic. Uh, You truly are a woman who sees things and wants to declare those things. And you see things in the Lord. But there's a hesitancy in you to step into the things that God, uh, that you see and that you feel. But in this season God is going to bring such a sense of His love and His favor and His accuracy in you that as you walk out of this It's all really nice stuff but honestly I can imagine these things applying to a lot of different people, not just AJ. But she had obviously been very moved by these words. And the last thing I wanted to do is belittle something meaningful to her. So as the prophecy ends, I just kind of go quiet. Thankfully, Science Mike was there and apparently feeling a little less cynical than me that day. So what, but first, like, why did you feel like that spoke to you in particular? Like what in there leapt out and why? Because I, I know you. Yeah. I'd like to hear that for everybody. Yeah, or yeah, it just sounded exactly like who I am, what I'm going through, and what I needed to hear in that moment. And that just blew me away. And I was literally, I almost felt like I was in a trance and I was shaking with so much just emotion and connection with God. Because she's speaking the words, but I'm feeling like the presence all around me. And I mean, it's still every time I listen to it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. And to be funny, before that prophecy, I was a four on the Enneagram. I was an individualist and I took it again after, and now I'm a reformer, (laughs) which is, if anyone knows Enneagram, it's positive growth. (laughs) So the things that she was saying about having certain pressures placed on me or walking in insecurities, you know, I came from... Uh, small town Virginia and, and made a huge move to New York City and that's where I'm living now and the kind of things that you're you know you're put in the environments and the people and with business and just everything socially it's it was either make or break and I feel like it just all the things that have happened to me since living in New York and the people that I'm supposed to have in my life have just shaped me and this is just something that was like affirming all of that. I guess it just kind of released something. There was a freedom of just saying, I actually need to just love myself because God loves me. And that's it. That's so easy, right? But it's just like, I, it, I needed to hear it so that it just broke something in me. And I feel, yeah, I'm just a different, pr- like so many people have seen this change in me and they're like, man, tell me about your year. Like what's happened? And you know, all these awesome things are happening. And I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm 
so on my ride right now. <laughs> it's great. So then you went back with Jacob. Right. So then um, I just remember being just so shaken and and feeling like the most euphoric sense and and just couldn't wait for him to get home so that we could share this in a quiet space. And so like a couple hours later, you know, I tell him, I'm like, oh my gosh, you got to hear it. And we intentionally were just like, okay, you know, let's create the environment in our home. And, and we sat there and played it and listened to it together. And he just started weeping. And it's like the person that knows me the most and knows what I'm going through. And like he fully, every word totally resonated. It was so beautiful. It was like one of the most beautiful moments we've shared. Next are Jacob and Hajin. Welcome. Uh, I'm glad that you're here. I'm just going to pray and I will come back and share with you what I'm hearing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Jacob and Hyun, I just see you being equipped for a new work, that you have walked and served um, in a certain pattern, um, that you have uh, known the Lord in a certain pattern, and I see him bringing you into a season where he's equipping you for a different work. Um, it's almost like he's bringing you from a place of high polish. So Jacob's in here now. Jacob, hey Jacob. Jacob hey, hey, how's um, it going? We played the prophet. We played both prophecies. Okay. And what in that prophecy to both of you seemed uniquely you and not applicable to other people? My skepticism was off the charts too. My first instinct when I heard about this was like every red flag went off. <laughs> like this, this sounds exactly like the thing. Uh, we should not be giving any attention to her. Probably. It just felt like a waste, right? And and so, but Hajin, uh, she doesn't have the baggage that I have, kind of having grown up in evangelicalism. And uh, so there's a purity about her search and, and also a healthy skepticism in her own right. Um, and so given those two things, uh, the significance of the response that she had, I was instantly open to, to, to digging a little deeper. It just, um, you know, so to kind of enter into that moment together, you know, and, and to hear that together, like I, I cried, like I literally had tears coming down my, my face when I, when I heard it, because it was so specific to exactly what I was going through in the moment, you know, and, and it was, it was so different from every other person's who we heard, you know, we, we, we listened to everybody, you know, and, um, no one else's was even remotely similar to that. And I guess that's the mystery of it, right? Like those words could have been spoken to somebody else and it wouldn't have had the effect that it had on me. And it had the exact effect on me that I needed in that moment, I felt a beckoning into the goodness, the love, the the presence of God or the will of God in my life. However you describe that or whittle that down, a sense of solidarity uh, that is transcendent of logic. It's transcendent of what I expected coming in. And the specificity was, I've never experienced anything else quite like that before. You're going to be shepherding and seeing and hearing the voice of the Lord for people and being able to call people into the gifts and the callings of God, not just gifts of you're a prophet or gifts that you have a word of knowledge, but graces in their life to technology and to industry and all those kinds of things, and that you're going to become builders of people in that regard. You know, sometimes you're not sure if you're, you know, walking with Christ, like they say, 
sometimes you you feel like am i doing the right thing am i am i out on the outside and you know looking in and i can't relate i feel judged i feel um, dismissed and so to hear those words was so empowering and it was just like yes keep going like the people that you you need to reach via technology and industry which i, I, I don't know i guess i know jacob and agent very well so of the whole thing the part that yeah. kind of was most intriguing to me was like what what two interesting words to use in the context of how you're going to help people I don't know. And that's like where that's in certain the industries circles especially. they move in. That's what I mean is this very subtle details in on both of these sessions that I'm, I'm just like, how do you know that? And like such intimacy there. Like, how, how do you do that? Right. So someone tell me because I think about it. I'm just like, I would love, I would love someone's, well, this is how it's done, but if we, I'm torn here. If I know you are. So I am too. Uh, if we took that file and we made it, um, we edited it and we got her voice and we got her to say, here's what I hear for you, Michael and Lisa. How much did, did it land for you? Okay, so this is why I'm torn because I don't want to say anything to like try to discredit what mm -hmm. your experience mm -hmm. was. Yes, because that's how I like to look at it too on both sides. Your experience, whether it had anything to do with that woman or not yes. to me doesn't mean anything about you, the reality of your experience. So yeah. you hear these words and for you, God speaks to you and God moves in you. Mm -hmm. That I have nothing to say about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I personally think that happen, that can happen through anything. Through, like I, I, was at, um, I was at Disneyland a few, a few weeks ago and there's this girl, this worker on the, uh, she's like sweeping the streets. Mm-hmm. And the parade is about to start, and she, the music starts, and it's like, I, we can fly, we can fly, we can fly. Peter Pan. Yeah, and um, and the music starts, and she picks up her broom, and she like throws her arms out and just runs down the street, and immediately just tears start coming down my face. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was like pure, beautiful, childlike joy, and I was like, she's the streets. I know she's supposed to be happy, but they could. They couldn't have paid her to do that. That was, there was something authentic yeah. about it. Like she was excited. The parade was about to start. She sees this how many times a week, you know? Um, and she's running. And I'm like, I experienced God through that. Absolutely. That so all that to say, like... There's no comparing. No, all I'm saying is, what I'm about to say is, I think the things she's saying are generic enough that when you hear them, and, when you, and I did while I was listening, I put myself in them for a minute. I was like, because I've I've done that, I've experienced these mm -hmm. this sort of prophecy. That's what I want to hear from you. Um, yeah. And when you're listening to it, and every time I've experienced it, it is really lovely, and you hear things because I think what happens is she says something like, "You're in transition" or whatever, and you hear Virginia to New York, and I hear we're going into a new record that is a no, totally, totally different totally. thing, and. Mike here is I'm thinking about moving to Los Angeles and but it's a very what she said was ambiguous what you think when she hear when you hear it is very specific and you see a picture here's why I want to do it because when I listen to that one if I imagine Mike and Jenny the hit rate is like 25% or okay. less so I'd like to hear but I'm also like a I'm a pretty specific thinker. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'd like to see if she did a prophecy for me if the hit rate was also about 25%. Yeah. Or 35% or whatever. I don't know. Like, have you... So I don't have any experience with this kind of stuff in the church. Yeah. At all. Yeah. All new to me. Sure. Uh, I've spent more time deconstructing, like, horoscopes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but that's because, you know, my Baptist church growing up really affirmed deconstructing horoscopes. But I've had those moments in my life where I've felt compelled to pray for someone mm -hmm. that I've gone to them and prayed for them, not knowing what I should pray for them about. And then as I spoke, spoke something specific into their life. Mm -hmm. And through my atheist journey, I assumed that was some form of deep seated neurological intuition mm -hmm where my brain was telling me cues about this person's life and I was proof texting that into God. 
Um, and in every case, these were people I knew. It was never like a person on the internet that's random. But even to the point that I guess is where my past comes into this, I've sounded like that woman before in a room by myself where I'm hearing something from God and I'm just saying yes and thank you. And now not a lot um, post-atheism. It's pretty rare now. But I mean, so like the, the one thing I really agree with is like, well, God, and you guys can't see my air quotes here, God <laughs> speaks through anything because it's how we, it's us finding meaning. That's a huge part of what God is. But I guess the question is how talented is this woman <laughs> or, or what spiritually gifted? Where is she, is she channeling something? Um, and again, that's why I didn't want to say anything because I don't, I don't, I hate like crapping on a beautiful experience. <laughs> you know what I mean? But for the sake of the podcast, I mean, like, we're discussing it. Okay, so things that we don't necessarily know about are what what does our unconscious mind pick up on? For instance, Jacob and Heijin on an internet chat room. That, at the time of day that it was, it says some things. Those two names Mm. say some things. Maybe not thinking about it, but... Okay, probably an Asian and probably a white guy, or yeah. maybe lots a black of guy. Asians are nurses and doctors. I'm far from that. No, I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I mean, I'm just saying. There's a little bit of information. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, even yeah, like, yeah, yeah. even like, it's not. It's not Bubba Todd. And, right. Yeah. You hear but the most name of Todd, the names are something. Todd. Most of them are the Katies what? and Jennifer no, and Todd. I mean, but those speak something. Your name mm-hmm. does say yeah. something. It, it says something about your age, usually what kind of family you came from a little bit. A little bit. So if she's just in this place, like unconscious is free. That, that doesn't explain enough to go real specific for people. But, but that's one element of the unknown here is all the ways that her unconscious might be quite brilliant um, at just picking up on whatever names and... And there were no interactions and nobody talked at all. Some people s- had the option of typing and chatting. Okay. But other than that, it was... And not chatting says something to your unconscious mind, saying anything that people said. I mean, there's little things, little pieces of information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is that I, that I don't know, is, is there anything to actual, the energy of people, psychic energy, spirit, whatever, like... The words that usually give us the creeps. Yes. But I don't <laughs> yeah. know about any of that stuff. I mean, yeah. everything is so bizarre. When I land in a city, I feel like I feel something different than when I was in the last city, even if I don't know anything about that new city. I feel something different. So maybe there is something that people can feel on an intuitive level in some sort of genius, crazy part of the human brain, or I don't know. So I leave room for some mystery here. I just, I just think it's... My guess is she puts herself in that state and she's got kind of a gift at being very encouraging to people. And you guys were in a state of being able to hear what you needed to hear at the time and you received what you needed to receive at the time. Wait, now, hold on a second. Wait, am I the one open to a spiritual experience and More you're than me? the one Whoa. defending the science? <laughs> what? Mark it down, just listeners. Yeah. Mark it in the books. For the record... I don't know. I can never know if she really is hearing from God, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, because I'm totally yeah yeah. And I say this as a person I've had I've had I'm skeptical of it, but I've had experiences where I'm like I have to at the same time question my own cynicism because I I like when we were supposed when we moved to Denver. Um, there was this guy in our church in Michigan that was an odd bird. Um, kind of always like, he was kind of the prophetic guy at the church. I feel like a lot of times people that say these prophetic, they're kind of odd. God told me this to tell you. Like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but I was having this moment and I was praying and I was like, I felt like it was time to leave Michigan. And I was just afraid. But I really had felt like now is the time. And this guy came up and he slapped me on the butt. Right, it was just walking down the hall and he slapped me on the butt. God said, "Time to go." I was like, "Whoa, that was weird." So I called Lisa, and Lisa <laughs> said, "I told her the story," and she said, "I was just in the backyard praying, and this sounds crazy, but I had sort sort of a vision. I felt like it's time to go to Denver." 
So the, the thing that interests me about your perspective is I think we're all like charismatic prophecy noobs and you're not. Mm-hmm. So you're more familiar with the patterns of the speech. You're, uh-huh. you've, that's been a part of your deconstruction in a way that it has not been a part of mine. Well, it's actually been a part of mine. Like I, were you charismatic? Yeah, yeah. we okay. grew up charismatic, oh. and yeah. So I'm, I'm actually very familiar <laughs> with it, which is, yes. which is why it was so uh, hard for me to take seriously at first. Yeah. And, and How many have you had prophecies like to you before personally? Yeah, yeah. Mostly growing up, yeah. you know. So, so uh, in hindsight, you know, nothing that I actually remember in a way that. Um, has continued to uh, affect my life at this point. It's not like I, you know, when I was 10, the thing that that lady said, uh, you know, stuck with me my entire life. I just feel like at each juncture that that happened, it was more of like a sense of encouragement or, or something. And all usually from people who at least knew me or we were in the room together. I think part of what made this so bizarrely special was the context and having no sense of, connection and yet to have such a pure um wonderful and you know way right to the core of me like past all of the skepticism past all of the 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 other things she could have said she went right to the core of what i i needed to hear i don't know you guys like as well as mike does but as i was listening i was hearing the language that i always heard a lot of Christianese charismatic mm-hmm. language. Mm-hmm. But I believe you guys when you say at least that you heard what you needed to hear. So either she's really gifted at saying things that um, it is encouraging and it's full of love. And if you're in a place where you're listening, I think it, when I was in Assisi on this meditation retreat, I got to this point where I could look at a painting. I was meditating all day and this painting would speak all these specifics to my life. I felt like God was speaking through everything. So I'm not even questioning that God spoke through what she said and that you heard what you needed to hear. I'm just questioning how special what she said or, or what the nature of her gifting is. How about that? Whether it's encouragement, whether it's specific mm-hmm. prophecy to individual people that has, and how much is that channeled? Because if it was specifics, if it was a magic trick, which is you know, like a, a fortune telling thing, It'd be one thing if, she, if she's like, Jacqueline, why did you tell me your name is Jacqueline? Your name is Haitian. Right. And I'm like, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we needed to hear. That's, that's what minimalists do that stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. No, this was not that. This was not yeah. specific enough. Like, you guys were in Virginia, you're moving to New York. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so that wouldn't have been of... helpful in a way either. That's true. Exa- yeah. But that's why, where is, where yeah. is God in that? This is why, like, this conversation in particular fascinates me. Because it gets to the kernel of my search for understanding of the divine. Because you look at a painting, and the painting speaks to you directly. And she hears a prophecy. Or God speaks to me through the painting, whatever you want to right, say. Right, yeah. right, yeah. And the, she has the same experience with a passage of speech on the internet. Mm-hmm. So when we think about God, and I don't think this is answerable, but I continue to search for an answer regardless. Is it that somehow God is simply emanating through all things and sometimes we tune in and become aware? Or sometimes is that emanation in some way specific to us and we receive a specific message from that which we call God? And that's why this particular little mystery is so compelling to me mm-hmm. is... Like, I like having your degree of distance, my lesser degree of distance, and then being in it and seeing how that affects the reaction. Because I knew them well. Like, I heard, hey, Jens, and I was like, yeah, I mean, that's like a couple things that stood out. Like, not all people are beautiful inside and out. And not even all people would say, like, be able to acknowledge that, right? And that, that, that the expectations based on appearance. You know what I mean? And I thought about, hey, Jen, not only as a person but as an attractive Asian person and how that who white work, America who works relates in fashion. to that. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, but I know details, so that's where my brain goes. Yeah, but yeah. then when I heard both of theirs mm-hmm. and the way she was talking about, you know, uh, you're making this shift and you're going to start saying things you've never said before and some of 
the places you've been and the, the, the knowledge you received in an old tradition doesn't apply anymore. And you're going to take these insights and you're going to use them to move people via technology and industry. At which point I was like, that's oddly specific. It's just wild because I listen to the ears and it doesn't apply to me. Uh, but I, I'm also like deeply, deeply disappointed in the suspension of my skepticism in this instance. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm disappointing myself. Okay, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this. Okay, do it. I did the I, two things. First, I was uh, at a retreat with this church that I've gone to before. I love them. It's a, it's a youth group, giant, giant youth group, and this woman was there in like their prayer ministry. And uh, she wanted to pray with me, and my mom's like a really big prayer person, so if like a mom-aged person wants to pray with me, yeah. I'm going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. And as she was praying, she said, and the difficulties you've been having with your mind and your head, we just surrender those to God. And like she didn't know anything about the concussion, mm-hmm. and I was like, what just happened? Like it actually freaked me out. And I got done, and I was like, I just had a concussion. Like, you know, do you follow my work? She's like, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she, according to her, she'd never heard of me before that first talk I gave. And I didn't, I didn't talk about the head injury or any of the... And I was really, back then, at the time this was happening, it was a lot more pressing than it is now. And I just kind of sat with it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take science hat off for a second. I'm going to put mystic hat on for a second. I identify more with people who give prophecies than receive them. Hmm. And I'm about to sound crazy, and you guys know I'm super comfortable with that, and admitting that (laughs) everything I'm about to say is completely unscientific. But in my time as a believer, pre-atheism, there were many moments where I felt a nearly uncontrollable compulsion to say something of what content I did not know to a specific person. Hmm. And whenever I would do that, if I wouldn't do it, I couldn't calm down or find any peace. And whenever I did it, most of the times that person would start weeping. Hmm. Now, I'm a pretty empathetic person. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, in my work now, since part of what I do is I, I try to be honest, like in this conversation, I'm being honest that I'm both skeptical and searching in the act of doing that people are drawn to it who feel misplaced spiritually or curious spiritually or deeply hurt spiritually that that's the people that follow the liturgist but also the science mike stuff and whenever i get a question from someone that's not about physics or neurology but about hurt in their life i do something internally that's different and that's i completely empty my mind and I imagine, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. I imagine that I'm an antenna and I just turn up the game and try to step out of the way. And when I do that, I never know what's going to come out of my mouth. I believe that's what that woman's doing too. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. I, I think I understand exactly what she's doing in Texas. And for me, the, the struggle... In my faith, post eighth, I don't struggle too strong a word. I enjoy the process, uh, but the thing I, is trying to figure out what I'm tuning into. Am I tr- achieving a particular brain state? Uh, I'm definitely achieving a particular brain state, but what is the source yeah. of that brain state? And I know I don't think anyone has an answer. I'm just, yeah, <laughs> that's where I'm at with this story. That's pretty much where our conversation left off with them, with a big question mark. So we let the story simmer for a week or so, and then Mike and I decided to debrief a little bit. Hey Mike, our conversation with Jacob and Agent led me to some questions that I haven't thought about in a while. And when you're talking about prophecy, whether it's fortune telling or 
or the admonishment of the divine towards encouragement or hope or whatever. What does it mean for God to speak? You know, because it's one thing if you assume that God is a being that has something specific to say to people. Maybe we take that assumption first. <laughs> Which is a big there. assumption. Uh, that's a big <laughs> assumption. That's probably a little bit more orthodox than you and I, you and right. I tend to be. How does that get translated? I mean, we did the episode on the, the asymptotic fidelity of words, and that's with humans. So how, assuming that God could have some sort of concept to relay to human beings, how much asymptotic fidelity are we dealing with that it has to like downgrade into electrical firing you know like it has to get into the brain somehow it has to it has to fire off some neurons well so yeah so breaking that assumption that like god speaks in some discernible way that that, i don't know we'll come back to that because i want to unpack that further but so if we assume there is some being beyond space and time not locked temporally like we are which we have to assume a godlike being would otherwise it's just like a roman deity <laughs> it's not like a god like we've described yahweh to be in in a trinitarian context um i think first of all anything that god is communicating to us has to be reduced and simplified and turned into metaphor to be accessible it's got to come out of this atemporal non-locality and become a temporal local idea and if i make those assumptions it's it's actually relatively interesting because it it puts me more at peace with say genesis or jonah uh or even jesus speaking about jonah because god's already having to limit information so much to be accessible uh, <laughs> to, to get that fidelity down to a, a place that human brains can comprehend it that including a cultural context is no different than including a space-time context whoa um so that that i find comforting the tension for me the place i'm torn up all the time is when i look at physics And when I look at a logical portrayal of reality, a God that speaks in that way, it just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, And I can appeal to say, well, God doesn't have to make sense. That's fine. Um, But if I just open my mind to any nonsensical idea, that's not a very useful way of thinking. Why why does it make this, this particular conception of God true and not some other conception of God or not all conceptions of God? So maybe we could clarify, what do you mean by it doesn't make sense? If God speaks, the criteria under which God speaks and acts are troubling. Like, so if God can speak to us, I sure wish God would have explained germ theory sometime before the Black Plague. Hmm. Like, you don't even have to perform any miracles here. Just tell people the consequences of dumping their sewage in the street. Just tell people the consequences of not cleaning their hands after handling things. And not only death, you know, death's inevitable, but painful death, senseless suffering, grievous losses could be avoided. And so that's what I mean. There's this logical, there's this, it, it, a God who speaks shines a spotlight on the problem of evil. And that's what I mean when I say that I have these, problems with the idea yeah and when i look at cosmology when i look at physics this sort of almost platonic idea or this unchanging god idea in christian theology actually seems much more plausible (laughs) than the ways i usually think about god a god is absolutely unchanging and from whom everything emerged or emanated that's a decent idea in physics uh, but that's not a being that's not a being who speaks. So when I try to reconcile that with my experiences, my experiences throughout my life have been a God who speaks. Over and over, pre-atheism, 
post-atheism, the transition from atheism to belief again, was all about hearing God speak to me, and it still happens to me today. And I have not been able to bring this distant, impersonal, plausible deity in contact with the whisper I hear in my ear that, that frankly, Jacob and Hagen heard through this woman. Um, I know why they have this. As much as I'm so deeply skeptical, I understand how it was moving to them and not only moving but spooky because I, I have those moments too, but I can't fit those moments inside my worldview. All right, so here's a little food for thought. Let's maybe go to a closer model of God to maybe what you and I tend to talk about. Ground of being or love or, you know, infinite mystery. That has this direction, let's assume. Let's let's assume that love is a real thing and that there is this pull or or gravitation or will, if you even would want to say to it, that there, there's something that drives that, is, that God is. And that, you know, that's what holds all things together. That's what keeps pulling us into love. It's, what's all, it's the light by which we see. And say that thing, that God, somehow makes it, is, is able to communicate with us. When you think of the asymptotic fidelity of a human speaking to a human and how we, you know, if I'm trying to communicate to you, Mike, that I treasure your friendship, I have to, I have to first like find ways of coming in into touch with how I actually feel about our friendship. I have to like self-examine and then I have to find metaphors and words and ways of like kind of minimizing it, boxing it into concepts and speaking that to you, and then I send it across, you know, airwaves or ones and zeros over a phone, whatever I have to do, I have to minimize it some way and find a way to try to send it to you in hopes that you'll understand something of my emotion. If I, if I could more directly just kind of plug somehow into your very being, let you feel what I feel, that wouldn't actually be a lesser form of communication. It would actually be in some ways far clearer and more direct form of communication. And so what I wonder when I think of like prophecy in this way of God speaking, a prophet that somehow ascertains the very heart of love and justice and the divine or of encouragement and, and, and he or she can see this person divinely or see himself or herself divinely and something from that ground sort of emanates into the brain, into the very being of the, of the prophet. Not so much as in say these, say these words, uh, these words are gonna, you know, here's a concept. This person is a designer and you should say something about industry and you should say something, you know, I have a hard time with that to me that when I heard that prophecy, even the little specifics and, you know, maybe I'm too cynical about it, but I'm with you. If there are specifics that the divine speaks like that, why, why stay so vague? Why could the divine not say, Hey, here's how you cure AIDS. Here's the fusion. That would be a solid. Yeah. Here's how to fuse hydrogen on, on earth in earth's gravity. Well, go for it. Yeah. Exactly. Here's the here's the, the formulas that you need or whatever. Why stay so vague? And so that leads, that keeps me in a kind of a cynical place. But if there's something of some of the divine that your story, your story of encountering Jesus in the Eucharist, you said you make the joke about it that he spoke in English to you, but it came through your brain. Your encounter with that deep mystery somehow translated into your being, into your brain, into your language. You know, that's, that's my hope about if God speaks, that's, it's, it's a bit more direct. It's a bit more existential than in concepts or words. 
I hate to give half-formed thoughts because, you know, a lot of times I let I rattle around things in my head a lot before I ever say them to people, especially a few hundred thousand people <laughs> on a podcast. But the way I've been trying to reconcile that God, that that ground of being that I find compelling and plausible, it's a tremendous combination, <laughs> but this these more personal experiences I've had, other people have that are recorded in scripture is I thought about lightning. Hmm. And so you have energy, electrical energy that builds up in the cloud layer. And then when conditions are right on the surface, uh, two charges connect and a massive amount of energy is transferred just, you know, without understanding physics magically, <laughs> right? Like lightning was lightning was one of the proofs people used for deities in ancient times. But there's this tremendous energy that comes down. And when it comes to this lightning, lightning is going to strike where lightning is going to strike. But you can do things to make lightning strikes much less likely. So you can, through construction techniques and lightning uh, rods and, and electrical grounding, you can make it very unlikely that your structure is going to be hit by lightning. And on the other hand, you can do things that make lightning strikes much more likely. And I've often wondered if spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices, and yes, Christianity, are means by which you make that surge more likely. Hmm. You know, the the Internet's powered by photons and electrons, but they're very structured. They're very organized, and so they convey a lot of information. There's not a lot of information uh, in a lightning strike, but there's tremendous power. And so I've often wondered if these moments, these divine encounters, are moments where, like you've said, this ground of being is connecting, and then the storytelling machine, the human brain, begins to put a context on that connection. So the personalization words. of words, yes, absolutely. So when I have, you know, I, I've described it before, even on this episode, when I open myself like an antenna to God, I'm saying words. They seem to be mysterious to me sometimes, but, it, you know, I, I guarantee you, as, as close as I get to guarantees, if we could image the brain sufficiently, you would see, you know, my left temporal lobe assigning that language, creating that meaning. But that that posture before something greater is what produces the drive to love people so deeply, to encourage them so much. And, you know, when I listen, I could be wrong, but when I hear that woman's voice in Texas and what she's doing and, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't collect any money or anything, um, she is driven by a desire to help people. Uh, to encourage people, not to trick or exploit people. Because there's people who use that kind of language very, very exploitively. Mm-hmm. They exploit people, they rob people, they give people false hopes. And in other cases, it's people connecting with that ground of being, or seems to be. Now, of course, I feel weird saying that. I'm Science Mike, and this this is not a scientific idea. I can't you know, use any kind of meter and demonstrate this. Uh, I could, you know, we could scan people's brains. We could see the activity, the genuine love and affection in their anterior cingulate cortex. But I don't know. This is one of those moments where my lived experience, I mean, what we're talking about here, the reason this episode's so important to me, you're talking about the core of my faith. Hmm. The reason I'm not an atheist is because these experiences are so powerful so profound and so life-changing that I go to a building every Sunday morning to hang out with other people who are as equally moved by them. Hmm. And I will like use a word that has tremendous cultural baggage, Christian, and I will unselfconsciously apply it to myself, a person who is pretty against assigning labels to people. And it's because I've been struck by lightning, and I feel like Jacob and Hagen were too through that woman's work. Yeah. 
there's a there's a particular thing I've noticed, especially lately, um, because I still have this really diverse friend group in terms of religious, non-religious, hardcore atheist, casual atheist. And there is this cynical disgust with wonder that some atheists have, not all, not even a majority, but some particularly angry atheists have this cynicism towards wonder. And I have found that the kind of sentimentality I have about encounters with God has been an antidote to my cynicism. I am I am less cynical today than at any point in the last 10 to 15 years. And that is completely, completely because I hold in such high regard my encounter with the divine. I hope anyone who listens can tell that I have a healthy respect for <laughs> skepticism and even the idea that most of these things that I'm contemplating through Christianity are are truly absurd. I mean, they're not just unlikely; they're 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 nutty. <laughs> like, I actually, I actually believe, like, just some random rabbi in the first century rose from the dead. <laughs> it's just a weird thing to think if you take away social identity. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like if you were the only guy that believed that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like you found some some figure in an ancient text and said, this guy <laughs> was the son of God and he rose from the dead. People would be like, Okay, like if you push that hard enough, you would probably be committed to a mental institution. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. It's nutty. But when I accept that, it heals me. Oh, it's so weird. But when I accept that, it heals me. It, it, it alters my brain function on a fundamental level. And I just see the world through eyes of love. Yeah, so we're back at mystery with some pragmatism, as always. Uh, but, you know, back to Prophet Mary. Let's say that the cynics are correct. And nothing she is saying is special. If what she's doing is being done out of love, which it seems to be. And what she's saying is done out of a sincere desire, you know, to be a conduit of divine love to the people who would listen to her. I think there's not just something okay about that, but there's perhaps even something kind of beautiful about it. Whether she's funneling God's thoughts or her own, people are obviously finding some encouragement and hope there. Whether those words are directly buzzed in from heaven or whether uh, it's simply an intuitive, you know, sort of feeling of love and compassion for a person. If that's what I thought she was doing for me, I would love to hear her speak to me out of that place and receive anything of God that I could. Uh, which is a weird thing to say, because I, <laughs> I don't know before this episode that I would have wanted to hear the Texas lady prophesy to me. <laughs> um, but after all this conversation, maybe there's, maybe there's something uh, good about it either way. All right, I wrestled with, with sharing this. I'm going to share it. I've thought about it enough, especially since I've had a, you know, since we got back, time to think about it. Uh, before I became an atheist, I felt a compulsion, a calling of God to pray for a specific person, so I started praying for them. And I didn't feel the peace I usually feel when I'm obedient to that kind of weird calling. And so I uh, called the person, and then I told him we needed to pray together, and can I come to your office? <laughs> so I left my job and drove to this person's job, went into the person's office, shut the door, and started to pray. And as was typical for me in this point of my pre-skeptical life, 
I, I said words that seemed to come from somewhere else. And I started to pray for this person's life and then this person's marriage and then the person's problems they were having and the argument last night. And as I started praying these really specific things and feeling like this is a really weird thing for me to say, (laughs) uh, the person I was praying with uh, began to weep. And he said that for the first time in his marriage last night, they had told each other they were getting divorced. And I had prayed for this healing, this emotional healing and this reconciliation. And uh, this person is still married today. They got through this thing. And I, from my perspective, I didn't have a clue that anything was wrong in their relationship. And I've turned this over in my mind a lot, especially this was one of the one of the last ropes I held on to um, as my faith fell apart. And Mike the Atheist decided um, the compulsion was a weird quirk of my brain and that somehow intuitively reading body language or something, my brain was honing in on something this person was feeling. And maybe that's all it was. But it's just, it's still strange to me. Um, A little bit before lunch on a regular work day, like I couldn't relax until I called this person and said, we got to, we've got to get together and I've got to pray with you. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I like that this whole conversation has pushed me towards mystery again. I probably right now in my frame of mind needed a nudge towards mystery again. (laughs) (laughs) And that's sort of what the liturgist is about, right? I think you and I need more than a nudge. Uh, <laughs> uh, but when I, I guess one thing to, for me right now to rationalize such things in, in the mystery realm is not just the divine aspect, because that does push me, you know, like, like we've been saying back to the, uh, the problem of evil. Um, if God is speaking specific things for specific people like that all the time or occasionally whenever he feels like it or whatever. But I wonder how we're connected to one another in ways that we don't even realize. Right. You know, it's our our perception of reality is just so limited from a single perspective. And it would not surprise me to find out that we are connected to each other in inherent ways uh, that we just don't can't understand with how we usually experience reality if it's the divine impetus to call that person, but that there's something about the connection that you have to that person that that is on some other level. And I don't know, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just showing that there's, there's a dimension. It's not just an up and down dimension, speaking metaphorically about, you know, God above us and telling us to do so, but, but there's a interconnectedness to all of this, that God is the glue that binds us together in some ways as well. It's enough that, that thought is enough to like, it still pulls me into mystery, I suppose. But it's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing. I don't think you're a whack job. Well, you're a little bit of a whack I'm job. I'm at least a little bit of a whack job. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> Maybe that's why people enjoy this program. I was just thinking on that note, like people enjoying this program, that's pretty weird. Like humans have an innate attraction towards people who present their ideas with the most certainty. And we present ours with the least (laughs) certainty. (laughs) You listen to an episode that raises a question, and we almost always end with, well, there's some ideas. Obviously, most of the things in this episode that we have said are incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) And then we leave you with that. Thank you to Hey Jen and Jacob Marshall for being part of this conversation. Thank you to Greg Nordine for all of his editing help with the conversation. And 
a big special thanks to all of you who responded to the Patreon campaign that we have started uh, to keep the show going. Um, thank you so much. Your support really does matter. It really helps us do what we're planning and hoping to do with this show. We have huge plans in 2016. We're working on a new format for the show that is more like the high production values that you've seen in uh, episode 20 LGBTQ, but that incorporates the laid back, easy conversation that people enjoy in our other episodes. We're aiming higher than we ever have with the show. We're getting more downloads than we've ever had. And because of that, the actual infrastructure and technology required to deliver this program gets more expensive every day. So if you'd like to help us branch out, create a larger team, tell more stories, and continue to facilitate the hundreds of thousands to even millions of downloads that happen per month for the Liturgist podcast, just go to liturgist.com slash podcast and click on the Patreon button. As little as a dollar a month from you can really change the trajectory of the show, keep it sustainable, and make these kinds of stories and conversations about science, art, and faith possible. We love all of you. Please come see us on the road. Look forward to seeing you soon. I'm Michael Gunger. I'm Science Mike. Thanks for listening, everybody.